Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence. I'm TCT Head of Content, Laura Griffiths, and today I'm joined by our senior content producer, Sam Davis, who is all the way in Chicago reporting from IMCS. Hi, Sam. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you after your very stressful journey getting to Chicago? I'm in surprisingly good spirits. Um, I'm tired. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to getting home, I think. Um, good. But, but yeah, like, I don't know where my suitcase is. Um, I don't know when I'll see it again. Um, I've spent a lot of money on clothes that I didn't anticipate spending. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I don't know, it's the second time it's happened in a year, both times in Chicago. So I'm just going to stop bringing luggage to Chicago. <laughs> And just to clarify, that isn't Sam that's lost his luggage. That is purely Erlingus's fault. Yeah, oh yeah, I've not like, I've not misplaced it. Um, there was a massive systems outage, um, which led to a four-hour delay, and then they made the what was described as an executive decision to put the people on the plane and not the suitcases, um, just to get us out of there. And they they framed that as if they were doing us a favour. I'm not sure they really were. Mm. Doesn't really sound like it. But at no. least you got there in the end. You got there. You've been able to see quite a lot of stuff uh, this week. Uh, it sounds like it's been a really, really busy show, actually. It feels like there's a, a lot of AM people headed there this year. And from the brief conversation you and I have had um, already, Sam, you were talking about how much of it is really just focused on production. And I remember a few years ago now having another conversation while our previous editor Dan was at IMTS and it felt like all the conversations actually were pointing towards that at the time. So it's really nice to hear that commentary from you about how it does feel like that is that has happened now, that that is what you're seeing there. So there's been quite a few announcements. So we just kind of run through the big ones and then you can give us a bit of a a brief walking tour of the of the show floor. Yeah, sounds good. Cool. So the biggest one, which we, we knew was happening, HP has finally announced the commercial availability of its Metaljet 3D printing technology. Um, the solution is called the S100 3D printing solution. It has been coming for a long time. It was first announced back at IMTS in 2018 when the company first decided to move into metal technology. It is a Bionajet based technology, um, which is Particularly exciting because I know last year there were a lot of companies that you and I spoke to that were launching Bionajet technologies and very much pinned last year as the year of Bionajet. And we were still kind of waiting at the start of this year for a lot of those plans to materialize. Um, We've obviously been waiting for the HP one for, for four years now. It's great to actually see this happening and I'll let you talk a little bit Sam about what you saw but it was very nice to see a real curtain unveiling of this technology a very elaborate uh, curtain unveiling so I'll just give you kind of a brief run through of this so um it's basically been launched as the solution that's going to scale metal additive manufacturing technology to mass production HP are really set on promising this digital reinvention of global metals manufacturing they've pinpointed a few different industries that they think this is going to be really good for things like industrial industrial applications automotive and some consumer um, all these different areas this has been a long time coming, but it's not that we haven't already seen applications coming out of this already. So when HP first launched this in 2018, they launched with a few uh, production partners. There was um, 
Parmatech and GKM Parametology, who are basically using this technology, kind of like a, a, a proof of concept, really, already using it straight away for these end use applications. And we've seen lots of different um, part examples coming out of this already from companies like um, Cobra Golf. There was um, a partnership with Volkswagen. Um, I remember at Formnix a few years ago, um, we all got these little mini metal 3D printed versions of a, of a Volkswagen car. I can't remember which one it was. And they've since um, set themselves these huge targets of printing uh, hundreds of thousands, sorry, 100,000 uh, components at one of their facilities by 2025 using this HP metal jet technology. So um, it's we've seen a lot of good news stories coming out of this technology already, but this um, was really good to see it finally come to fruition, but also the fact that they've, they're now saying, it's not that we're saying, yep, here's the machine, it'll be here in another six months. Um, they've launched the machine and it is available um, to order now. Um, I think it's in North America, uh, Europe, and hmm, I think I think also in China at the moment. Um, so it's available in, in a lot of key um, additive manufacturing markets. So a couple of things about why this technology is different. Of course, we know there's a lot of Bionajet technologies out on the market at the moment. Uh, the main things that HP believes differentiate this technology from others is that it uses HP's um, thermal inkjet print heads, which have been long proven in the industry. Of course, HP have got all of this previous um, inkjet printing knowledge, which they've put into this machine. These inject um, heads are supposed to really imp improve print speed and um, part quality and repeatability. So it's meant to be totally reliable. And then also the other thing which I didn't know about, this was news to me this week, was um, that it also the, the binder agent used in this process takes advantage of HP's um, latex chemistries, which have been, again, used for a very long time. And that's apparently enabling stronger green parts um, and also eliminates the need for, for the debinding process as well. Um, it's called a solution similar to how other HP technologies have launched, where you've got the um, you've got the actual printer, then you've got post-processing stations. As we know, the uh, the binder jet process typically involves uh, debinding and sintering processes, um, and it also takes this um, removable um, modular build unit, which uh, the polymer the HP technology uses, which you all of the build happens in this unit. They basically move from the printing from the material prep station to the printing station and then to the post-processing stations afterwards. So um, it's a really neat process and HP says this really helps support this idea of mass production and being able to scale metal additive manufacturing because when you're using these build units and being able to transport them uh, from machine to machine, if you've got a huge facility um, with lots of these printers, it means that you can finish a print, take this, uh, this build box out of that, move it to the next machine, move your next build box in and just keep continuing the cycle like that. So, um, so like I said, it just follow a very similar pattern to the, to the polymer process, which, you know, we know, Sam, they've already had some major milestones with this technology already. Uh, when I spoke to HP last year, back at Formnix, they were already on a milestone of reaching over 100 million 3D printed parts with a multi-jet fusion technology. And of course, the plans were to, to see this happen um, in metals. Um, they've also announced some new, um, new partnerships, new customers as well. Um, some of those include um, Domain and Digital Motion, which is a provider of hydraulic systems, um, and also um, Luminium, a developer of advanced rotational engines. And the biggest one is Snyder Electric, who are actually using the technology to produce. Uh, it's a it's a filter used on uh, one of its electric uh, circuit breakers, so it was 
printed with HPML jet technology. The idea is this filter um, helps to um, reduce gas pressure and heat impact, um, and it's all been completely redesigned for this banded jet process. So this was a huge news story this week. Nice to finally see it happening. Uh, Sam, what else did you get from the show floor? Because as, as I said, I, I know you were there for the grand unveiling. I'm, I'm sure you will have spoken to HP this week as well. Yeah, so um, one thing I will say is on the, um, <clears throat> before we go into the metals, on the multi-jet fusion, um, I did ask about that and they, they're now at 150 million. Wow. Um, so um, that's kind of picking up quite quickly given that 100 million was done in over like space of five years and now they've mm. done 50% of that in like 12, 18 months since. Um, but on the metals, um, HP believes that this is um, somewhat of an inflection point in, in metal binder jetting's maturity. Um, mm. Obviously, it's long been this technology that has had uh, the potential to enable mass production, but I guess hasn't been considered mature enough to do that um, so far. And, and HP now believes it has the technology to to do that. Um, I spoke to Ramon Pastor, who's the global head of, of metal jet at HP, um, and he was keen to emphasize that, you know, this isn't a technology for prototyping or one-offs. This solution is, you know, is purely for for production at, at, at bigger scales. Um, their aim and their belief is that this technology can achieve a five sigma quality standard. So, uh, Pastor was talking about like a ninety nine percent reliability and, and confidence um, in the process, as opposed to maybe like I don't know. He was given figures like sixty percent um, as a as a as an example of where three D printing has has been at previously mm. um, and the company's gotten to that point thanks to that you know four-year-long service provided by GKN and, and Palmatech and through that service uh, 20 customers had access to Metaljet before the unveiling of the S100 this week um, and, and Pastor was saying that you know this is a it's a real success story it's not something they've done before um, I don't think in, in it with any HP product let alone 3D printing but um, it's really allowed uh, HP to incorporate all the learnings from that process into this S100 machine. Mm. Um, and so what GKN and, and Palmatech have mostly been working with up to now um, has been an alpha machine, which um, is, is HP were calling it just a hacked version of a multi-jet fusion system. Right. But now the S100 has been launched um, this week and it's a fully optimized system for metals production and, and the metal jet process. Um, but despite that hacked MJF machine being used um, for a lot of the a lot of the last four years, um, HP says it's already got four applications at scale. Mm. Uh, and so the significance to that is that actually this service was was primarily just an application development um, thing. It wasn't the, the attention wasn't actually to scale any of the products before they launched the machine. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were quite, Pastor was saying he was quite surprised that they actually managed to get up to some some decent volumes with, with four of those applications. And, and those applications are falling in mobility, consumer goods, healthcare, and industrial. And the industrial application is um, that Schneider electric uh, filter, which you mentioned, mm. which that's actually being manufactured by GKN. Um, and this part has been... Um, it's been um, consolidated from multiple assembled components into into one. Um, it's got a complex lattice geometry that obviously wouldn't have been feasible with the previous method of manufacture. 
Mm. Said to facilitate smooth airflow during normal operation, as well as containing molten metal ejections in an over-energy event. Um, and then finally, on on the F100 as a, a commercially available system, um, price points aren't being revealed publicly um, um. because of the modularity of the system. So a tech center, for example, is going to want a completely different configuration and a mass manufacturer, and that's going to come with a different set of costs um, and a different load of modules, several build units as opposed to maybe just one or two mm-hmm. kind of thing. So um, HP are going to work out the price per conversations with each user. Um, and in terms of like product roadmap, HP intends to make all system and tech updates backwards compatible with the S100. So there isn't going to be a new machine in, say, two years that makes this one obsolete. All of the developments that they will do to the process, the technology, the architecture, the machine, um, users are going to have access to without, you know, forking out an extra cost. Um, so yeah, that's basically everything that I can that I can remember at least from the conversation. <laughs> you did very well, Sam, on 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 little sleep and jet lag after a few days. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> Um, so I'm sure we'll hear even more about that at Form Next in, in a few months' time, and I'm sure we'll see um, some more of those kinds of application stories as well. Um, and it was quite nice, Sam, some of the, the photos that you, that you published um, on our socials uh, a couple of days ago. It, it was nice to see some of those kinds of part volumes mm-hmm. um, on there. It was, it was good to see, because I feel like because we've heard about a lot of the same custom stories from this Metal Jet platform, as you say, from this like like kind of like alpha machine, um, it's... It was nice to see some some new things there this week. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, you know, there's 20 customers there and I, I don't think we've maybe even heard of 10 of them. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know whether we ever will because obviously there's a load of confidentialities and, and um, non-disclosures, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the technology is being used across a variety of industries um, already. So that And that's before, you know, customers have been able to bring the the technology in-house which they might want to do mm-hmm. um, so yeah i imagine once the um once the machines are actually out there being used by more than you know two manufacturers we'll, we'll start to see a lot more applications mm-hmm. and i thought it was important too because I, I went to the well, i attended the online press conference last friday mm-hmm. and um I thought it was interesting that they they did say even though they've got this this full solution like you can get the the end-to-end workflow and it's kind of similar a similar uh approach that a few other companies have taken with Binajet they've not like developed their own um furnace technology it's you know if if you already if you already have that in-house like if you're already a company that's using like MIM um processes for example and you're used to these you're used to this you know you're already very familiar with like MIM materials and things you can you can use the thing you've already got in house without having to invest in further hardware, which I thought was quite important. Yeah, and, and as you say, same with materials. Like customers should be able to use the materials they're familiar with. Um, I think HP have qualified two stainless steels um, so far, um, seventeen four and three one six, um, and then you know I guess more will come down the line. Today's episode is sponsored by Nexa3D. Here, Michael Curry, Vice President and General Manager for Nexa3D's Desktop Business Unit, discusses ultra-fast printing on the desktop with the Zip, 
the benefits of open versus closed material systems, and creating sustainable 3D printers and consumables. So people, once they get a technology that is four to, to, to eight times faster, you see this really big behavior shift where people don't go back. You had people that were, would go to Blockbuster or other rental uh, locations and get videos. You know, they might wait, wait a week to get uh, a video in stock. Then along came Netflix and kind of disrupted that with on-demand CDs. And then, of course, Netflix then got disrupted by, say, iTunes from Apple. Uh, then Netflix disrupted again with the idea of, of true streaming. So you don't see people who are streaming now going back and asking for uh, a cheaper overnight download from iTunes. Like that's, that's not the market anymore. And so we're seeing the same thing for 3D printers. Once you experience a much faster speed, it makes it very difficult for you to want to go back to a slower speed. Uh, so as an example, we just uh, had a client who just received the zip and he did a side-by-side -side print on another very common SLA desktop printer in the market. Uh, the print that he traditionally would do took him five hours. The one he did on the zip took him 45 minutes. So that's a seven times improvement. And what that means for him is that you know he can now print by the hour each day. Uh, whereas before he might do one print in the morning and then kick off an overnight print. So his productivity is going to be dramatically in increased. Or if you're trying to do a bit of a batch production of, of parts, you'll be able to get that many more batches done in a, in a given period of time. So I think that once people see that and experience that, it's going to be very difficult to go back to a, a, a slower process. Can you talk about the materials that Zip uses in regards to open versus closed material systems? So the Zip in itself is an open uh, platform for material development. We are really taking a close look at the various material providers in the marketplace, and we're curating and finding what we think are like really good materials. And then we will validate those and in some cases also uh, bring them into our platform and, and resell them. And we, you kind of get our stamp of approval that, hey, we think this is a really good resin. It's superior to its peers in terms of performance or some other aspect, maybe price, uh, value. And we'll make those Nexa branded. But then our systems are also open. So if you want to go ahead and, and find a resin that you prefer or a color that you need, we also have an open system where you can unlock all of the same controls that our internal process team uses to develop resins. I understand that another way the, the ZIP has been built is to really consider sustainability. How does the ZIP ecosystem address this? A lot of people complain in the desktop space around the amount of waste that's generated. I think mm. people in the industrial setting, maybe they, 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 they know that waste is a byproduct. But I think at the desktop, when you're using a printer as an individual, it maybe come, might come as a bit of a surprise. So the one thing that the two things we're doing in terms of our resin management, uh, we are using aluminum uh, bottles that uh, they themselves can be made from recycled material or they can also be recycled themselves after use. We also have the ability to refill them. And then the second one is in our vat system. So we have an interchangeable membrane and, and a solid metal vat. So when your membrane uh, exceeds its life or maybe has a puncture or something like that, you can just simply unsnap the membrane and dispose of that and snap a new membrane in. And that, that's a really big uh, improvement um, compared to some of the other systems where you're basically throwing away the entire vat. And that's a lot of 
uh, energy that you're throwing away in that process. Uh, so those are the two things around resume management. And then I guess lastly, the zip itself, uh, we chose to make it an, an all metal machine. Um, many desktop class machines are made out of plastic. So we're kind of making this sturdy, robust, rigid system. And then our goal in the future is to uh, make modular enhancements to that core. So you, you, don't, you don't end up throwing away your printer just because you want to upgrade its internal components. For more information, visit nexa3d.com. So we'll move on to another story, and this is another one that we had, we, we kind of knew was going to happen anyway. Uh, we, we thought this was, was going to get officially announced at this event. Um, it's from Nexa3D, who have finally announced the commercial availability of the ultra-fast quantum laser sintering platform, the QLS um, 820. Um, like I said, we knew this was going to happen. It's been a bit of a, a, a rocky few weeks at the company. You know, we've seen um, staff layoffs, but they were obviously set on still launching this technology at the show this week. According to the company, this platform is said to have the highest part throughput in its class. It's designed from the ground up for higher volume production and higher temperature process and a greater material selection. Uh, Sam, I know that you've spoken to, to Nexta quite a bit and you will have undoubtedly gone to, been to meet them at the show this week. What kind of details can you tell us about this one? Yeah, so I spoke to um, Kuba Gratchik, who is the head of business for, for SLS at, at Next3D, and he's the former CEO of NXT Factory, um, which is where the QR system was was developed originally, and then I think in like 2020, maybe, or last year, it was sometime during a lockdown, um, <laughs> COVID enforced that Nexa acquired um, that company. Um, but yeah, hopefully I'll have an interview on the on the website soon um, with, with Kuba, but he was emphasizing that the vision for the, the QLS system is to enable high throughput, lights out production, and the ultimate aim, um, similar to, to HP actually, but I guess going one step further, is to achieve a six sigma quality standard. Um, and that's because in addition to service providers and, and automotive that are two of the big kind of um, plays that they that they think they have with the system, the opportunity that Netra's really looking to target with QLS is bridge manufacturing. So mm. producing lower volume runs with 3D printing before ramping up to, you know, mass production volumes with, I guess in this case, injection molding. Um, and to do that effectively and to make the process as efficient as it can be, um, the company's focus is, is going to turn to automation at some point. And the idea is to implement um, like automated guide vehicles that can swap out build units and take away some of those manual tasks um, and, and Kuba also said that right now, um, again, similar to, to what HP are doing, QLS 820 is the only machine of the of the QLS range that's planned, with the mm. idea being that companies will create like a fleet of these systems um, that are then supported by, um, they have like a few modules on the stand, like a blend buffer, controller, blend buffer and controller modules. Um, and then there's also two material modules um, that weren't exhibited at IMTS, but this is like a big, um, workflow with a lot of modules going on and they had like an image on the stand of like a factory full of them and I guess that's their their aim is to have manufacturers running like you know several of these machines um, lights out all automated um, and, and really enabling that you know those those manufacturing applications 
Mm-hmm. Um, on materials, Nexus so far qualified PA11 and PA12, um, and then anticipating that TPUs and polypropylenes are, are probably the next to be added to the portfolio. Um, and then in terms of applications on the stand, they had, um, excuse me, things like shifter knobs and, and hand grips, orthotic devices, oil filler parts, visor components. Um, and the shifter knobs were interesting because um, they had a variety of textures on, on the surface of them and they were dyed in multiple colours with, I think it was Dimension technology. Mm. Um, so that hasn't been announced as like a formal partnership, but I gather that... Um, Obviously, their, their system works with and is compatible with um, Dimensions colouring technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as I say, we'll have more on the website soon, hopefully, um, from from Kuba, because I spoke to him for about 30 minutes and he gave me all of the, like, um, the technical stuff plus the vision. He's been working on it for, like, I think it's, like, eight years. Um, mm-hmm. So it's taken, like, a long time. And I think when back when, like, these companies were sharing a booth at Rapid under the Exponential Works brand. Um, I remember, I think maybe it was 2019. Mm. Um, they had, they must, I don't know if they had the machine there, um, but they had parts. And I remember um, a few automotive companies with like big, big brands in automotive were, were really interested in that machine. Um, and so it's just taken this long to like, you know, to get it to a point where it, it's ready to be, launched um as a as a commercially available solution but um i guess similar to the hp thing like they're all really excited to to finally get this machine out there um like mm-hmm. it's been um, up to eight years in the works yeah that that is um a long time but not not uncommon when we, we first hear these technologies and then eventually get to see them become commercially available in additive but i i think this this really rounds out that that portfolio for Nexus 3D now you know a couple of years ago or maybe it was just last year they yeah I think it was last year um you know they launched the the zip printer which was like the the desktop version of the ultra fast resin based technology and we've already seen some major customers using uh the DLP process and people like companies like Pepsi I've seen sports companies adopt that technology some some really you know high profile user cases there and and all been used for for end use parts whether that is like an actual um and consumer facing item or whether that is used in the the back end process within the manufacturing process like we saw with the molds at Pepsi Um, and I'm just interested Sam I know you said there you know at the Years ago, you saw automotive companies very interested in this technology. Um, was, were there any signs of the types of customers that they're getting for this technology? Has has anybody had this in house yet? Has anybody been using it? Um, I didn't. I didn't hear of anybody having it. I know that. Um, I think they do have some beta users. Um, I'm not sure they've announced who they are or what industries they're in. But um, I think they they were really they really saw service bureaus as one of the one of the first places to get it, um, to get it in. And I, I were there, there were a couple actually announced, weren't there? Um, so Quick Parts is one of them. And I'm going to forget who the other one was, but there were definitely two announced. So let me get that up. <laughs> um, da, 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 da. Jaws Tech. Um, was the oh, other yeah. One. So they're um, they do additive and subtractive, but they them and Quick Parts have signed up to be like foundational partners of a of a manufacturing network um, that that Nexa are doing with this um, 
machine. So yeah, service periods would be one, and then that they they are getting a lot of interest from automotive. But I think that would then be a case of automotive companies maybe bringing the technology in house. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were really looking at service bureaus first, and then I guess the beauty of that is you get a whole range of applications then mm-hmm. um, in in a load of different industries. I think again another one that we might end up seeing more more parts and application stories when we get to form next in a couple of months time so it'll be interesting one to see how that progresses let's have a bit of a rundown for the rest of the show floor what else has been particularly interesting because I know that you and Ollie have been really busy this week um, well you've been really busy just getting the news uh, from the show floor and Ollie's been really busy putting stories up on the website this week so what what from what you've seen has been a real standout for you yeah, I've never pressed the forward email button so much, um, <laughs> so I do need to apologise and then thank Ollie um, for <laughs> like bombarded him with a load. Um, but I went and looked um, around a few stands. So Desktop Metal had two stands actually. They had one um, where they had all of their like metal AM technology, and then another where they had everything else. Um, and on the stand where they had everything else, they had. Um, the figure technology um Mm -hmm. which was announced i think last maybe about a week ago now um and so figure is a sheet metal forming technology um that shapes sheet metal from a digital design file without stamping tools molds dyes presses um and it's been integrated into desktop metal uh, via an acquisition in uh, 2021 meaning that i think the company has about 10 or 11 brands now there was there was this like um, sign on the wall of one of their booths that had all of the brands. Figure <laughs> wasn't even on there because they've only just announced it last week, but um, it was it was in the double digits. It was crazy, and they had them on <laughs> there. They had all of the brands on their sleeves, on their tops as well. Um, one of them joking that they look like an F1 race car. <laughs> um, but um, so yeah, so that's another company that the Desktop Owls acquired, um, and. Um, they actually had the, the figure G15 machine running um, at regular intervals. Um, and so it's like, it basically uses this like rolling ballpoint tool to form grooves in the sheet metal and then can create complex shapes that can't be produced or at least are difficult to produce using um, traditional methods. And they had parts um, on the stand as well, like uh, automotive hoods and architectural panels. Um, and then they also had the preliminary, preliminary specs of the machine, if I can say that, um, which are, they said are subject to change, but they include like a forming area of 1,450 by 1,000 millimetres. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that was getting a lot of interest on, on the booth. Um, the likes of Scott Crump were, were queuing up to talk to um, the founder of, of Figure and, and Rick Fullop to, to learn more. Um I also went to see SLM Solutions. Um, they didn't have a machine on their booth, but they had a few applications. Um, they were very tight-lipped about the the Nikon acquisition. Um, I guess since it hasn't closed yet, but mm-hmm. they um, they seem excited, and they um, we're we're trying to get more information from SLM on that via the official channels. But people on the phone and- were hesitant. Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, and, and Nikon today, Sam, you gave us the heads up yesterday, but um, Nikon have invested in two more additive manufacturing um, based companies now. So to, today they've announced an investment in hybrid manufacturing technologies, who are the guys that have the um, the Ambit uh, changeable tool head, which allows you to add 
additive manufacturing capabilities to a CNC machine. Um, and then also um, another one, which is um, Optisys, I think that, that's how you say it. They're a provider of uh, metal 3D printed antennas for commercial and government applications. So they've also invested in them, I guess, with the optical te technology that um, that Nikon already have. That's kind of a nice uh, fit with that. But um, that's particularly interesting. It really shows that Nikon are going hard on um, on additive manufacturing, metal additive manufacturing um, in particular. And they're really on this mission to become um, another global leader in metal additive manufacturing. Sorry, Sam, I just wanted to say that though, because that was kind of like like breaking news this morning. No, yeah, that's fine. And the Morph 3D, I think, is the other one that they've already invested in as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so they are, they're, very, they're taking it seriously. And there were, I'm not going to say what the rumours were, but there were rumours on the um, show floor this week that, they'll, that they're looking to invest in another um and company as well I'm not sure how mm. realistic it is but um that that certainly people are talking about it um everyone but slm at the moment um, apparently um <laughs> as i was saying we are trying to get more information on that through the official channels um to provide a bit more insight um one thing they were able to talk a little bit more about was the divergent stuff and they're really excited to excited about the work that divergent are doing um, especially now that applications are starting to, to come out. Um, another company I, I I went to see was Inkbit, who um, debuted its Vista machine. Um, so the, the Vista machine is like multi-material capabilities and closed loop feedback. It's a, an inkjet system, which is equipped with multiple build volumes. Um, so like the material is built up layer by layer, thanks to this moving tray that deposits material and then um a uv lights used to cure it mm. uh, and then there are like there are several different post processing steps depending on um on what's required like a de-waxing tank and a, a vapor cleaning chamber for example um and i think like medical and aerospace are two of the key industries that inkbit is targeting um and then mantle and exact metal both um have announced new machines or announced the launch of new machines um in the last week or two and build up to mts they didn't have uh the machines on the show floor um exact i hoping they might be able to get it at form next but they're not confident so maybe the next time we see the new exact metal machine will be uh amerg i gather right in the spring um and then as you mentioned hybrid manufacturing um announced investment from from nikon um and then i've sat down with a few companies to do interviews this week so in addition to nexa and hp spoke to conflux um who do um loads of interesting stuff with heat exchangers um they're an australian company that's been going for a few years but they had some really cool parts on on their stand um spoke to carbon um who, who had someone walking the show floor and speaking um in a panel session uh 3do 6k additive um and stratus as well and, and that stratus conversation actually touched on a lot of the the nikon slm stuff and general m a um yav zaif the the ceo of stratus was given his thoughts on on what that all means um so i'll um i'll risk saying this we'll have all of that on the website in the coming weeks um <laughs> yeah, don't, don't give definitive dates sam that's that's yeah. never a good idea at some point in the next 12 months <laughs> will appear on the website um but i yeah i still have stuff from rapid to get done and then form next is i already know i'm already expecting emails about form next next week um, yeah. because i told people to get get there 
um, appointments in early. Um, so there's that to look forward to. Um, and then right now I'm about to go and see Fast Radius. So um, that's en route to my to the airport. Um, so that should be good fun. Um, speaking to a couple of people there and then a, a tour of the facility. So it'd be cool to see what they've got going on. Sounds good. I'm actually I'm, I'm quite upset that that I'm not there. I think it would have been uh, would have been a, a, a nice one to go to see all these technologies um, that we've heard about for so long actually there for real. And um, yeah, I think I'll just I'll just have to look forward to to Formex instead, which is some words that I don't normally say. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you'll basically have to. I guess you'll have to go and see all of the companies that I've seen this week. That's true. Um, and I'll go and see all the companies that for whatever reason weren't at IMTS um, mm-hmm. this week. Um, I gathered so, I'll be at the next one. So Sam, I'm going to let you go in a minute because I know you've got a busy day ahead of you and then you're travelling home. So what what is kind of the overall takeaway from this event? Then I know we talked about production like amongst yeah. ourselves at the start, but um, is that the key theme? What 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 is the, the overarching takeaway from IMTS 2022? I think the exhibitors certainly think that they're ready um for production um so if you know people were saying you know we're using the words like we're there we're we're at a point where i think they think their presence at the show is justified mm-hmm. um i think i don't know what the numbers were in the last M- imts four years ago but i gather it's grown significantly they have their own pavilion at this point so they're all or most of them are grouped together um, I think I think those that weren't there this year will be making sure they're there in two years' time, um, I would say. But mm-hmm. um, the other interesting thing I was hearing a lot was that actually when they come to AM shows, these exhibitors, um, conversations are completely different to, to coming to a, like a, you know, a wider manufacturing show. Um, mm-hmm. They're having to explain the technology still. Um to, to, to engineers who, um, I guess, don't fully understand the, the capabilities of the technology. So they were saying that, you know, there's still an educational piece to it. Um, and I think a few of them were caught off guard by that because they weren't expecting to have, you know, that five minutes of conversation before they got into things. Um, but but I think they, they're seeing the worth in it. And I think one thing I would say is that because the show's so big, there, there are like quiet periods on the AM Pavilion. Mm. Um, but it does pick up, and like some of the booths um, you'd walk past were really, really busy. Um, mm-hmm. Like the Meltio booth was constantly busy. Um, I think the HP booth as well, Dust on Metals booths were, were pretty busy too. I think that's a really healthy reminder, actually, Sam, because you know we're so used to being in this AM bubble, and um, you know we we hear these same sentences all the time like you say about we're here production is here we're there now um you know and i think sometimes we can forget about how we look to the wider manufacturing industry and being at such a big event like that can certainly feel like this this big fish is now um you know kind of in a in in a much larger pond and, and finding its place in that but that's why i find it quite interesting when you've got companies um like desktop metal for example who've acquired so many 
um, so many different companies and now they've got technologies in there which are not specifically additive manufacturing technologies you know they've they've acquired companies that are focused on material science and then you've got um, a company like figure who you know they've made so many acquisitions that was an acquisition we didn't even really take notice of when when it must have happened you know it, we're only really hearing properly about it now and so um i think it's but seeing a technology like that sheet and metal sheet forming which is of course quite established and um you know having people that will be interested in that will then come and see the rest of the things on the booth and how that fits into to the wider manufacturing output so um i think it, it's a it's a worthwhile place to be to just see how additive manufacturing does fit into that that wider business and especially when you've got companies like hp who are constantly reminding us of this 12 trillion dollar manufacturing market that, that, that they're, they're aiming to break into and on that presentation last week that, that, that they gave talking about the opportunities for metal, metal metal additive manufacturing that's still only a very tiny portion of that but it's it's a big enough portion that it's important for them to invest so much in it and um yeah I think it's 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 a it's a healthy reminder of, of where we're actually at but it's also very nice to hear um that those companies do feel like they've progressed to a point where as you say sam they feel justified in being there amongst these these the titans of the the wider manufacturing world yeah and you can see that like portrayed in the size of the am pavilion like mm. it was like i don't know like three um uh, what, do you, what would you even call them like corridors like there were like, there were, like three rows of of AM exhibitors and then the rest is all you know traditional but I found it really interesting that the likes of Nexa and HP and Inkbit, David and their machine um, were, were doing so at IMTS um, mm. when they could easily do so at Form Next in, in two months time but mm-hmm. the, 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 I think the, the message was that these are, these are manufacturing technologies so why not launch them in front of the manufacturers i think like the way it will work is that if you know that you need an am technology for this kind of application then you're going to come to a tc360 of rapid mm-hmm. form next but if you're i guess if you're uh, you know less if you're further back on the journey then maybe your introduction to am is going to come at an imts where um you're just having a you know you're just kind of curious about it mm-hmm. um i don't know but um, I think that they obviously see value in, in being there, the, the hundred exhibitors that were there this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, and I think from the conversations I had, obviously I've only been there for two days, so I don't know how the rest of the week will pan out. But um, a lot of them are saying it's been it's been good. They've been having different conversations than they normally have, with the caveat that because the the events like huge, like ridiculously big, um, there are these like peaks and troughs of of busyness on their stands mm. um but but equally like there were so many people there from the am industry that um it was the kind of event where you can't go from one meeting to the next without stopping about four times right. into someone, which meant that i was never on time for a single meeting i did um because everybody like it felt like obviously it wasn't but the whole industry was in this really small like space Mm-hmm. um and so so yeah it was impossible to like keep to a schedule um but but yeah it was good. obviously good to see everyone and good to be um in that environment again and it, likewise at the women in 3d printing happy hour last night mm. um, which was like so well attended um and they had us on like the rooftop of the west building at 
the McCormick, which had a pretty nice view, and the sun. Oh, nice. Sun was shining down. Like the last half an hour, you couldn't see a thing because the sun was just in everyone's eyes. But I don't, don't know if there's anything anyone could do about that. Um, you just had to make sure someone's head was in the way of the sun. Um, <laughs> I'd been talking to them. But, um, but yeah. Well, not to burst your bubble, Sam, but when you're home tomorrow, you'll see how cold it's got um, in the really? UK. Or, like Literally uh, overnight, it seems to have happened. We've just had rain and it felt like winter. Like I, I, I got home about 10 p.m. last night and it was so, so cold. So you've got that to look forward to when you get back tomorrow. I think I'm ready for that, you know. I think I'm, we've, had, like, we've had a good summer of warm. I think I'm looking forward to... Um, weirdly uh, like the, the cold maybe not the dark nights but definitely a bit you know a bit more cooler weather um so yeah i mean i'll, I'll regret saying that when i step off the plane and it's you know freezing and rainy but, but i've had that this week as well so you know it's not not any different how very british of us well, were blaming me because I came over on the Saturday and then on the Sunday they had torrential rain and I was like, um, that's not my fault. <laughs> um, but... All right, I'm going to let you go, Sam. Um, have a good rest of your day. Safe journey home. Um, and I'll speak to you soon. And thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you want more additive insight, uh, you can head on over to tcmagazine.com to get your free print subscription to the mag. And also subscribe to the podcast wherever you do listen to your podcast. You can also get our free additive insight newsletter, which drops the biggest news stories of the week into your inbox every Sunday. Thank you very much for listening. I'll see you again next time. Bye. <laughs>